You're listening to the Elevate Podcast, the official podcast of the Coastal LA Singles Ministry, where our focus is reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out. We'll see. A lot of pressure there. It's got to be amazing. How's everybody doing? Good? That good, huh? (laughs) So the title of my lesson I was given is The Call to Persevere. I understand you've had different topics going on. I wanted to just ask, how's it been going? What's something that you've been learning with these these midweeks that you've been having? Anybody raise your hand? Let me know. Because I haven't been here. What have you been learning? So, uh, moving right along, everybody's afraid. I heard it was a dating, dating one last week, and it was a little, everybody's afraid to say anything. <laughs> Anybody learning anything? Okay, over there. Yeah. Prepare to encourage. Okay, cool. So, did you learn to prepare to encourage? Some yes, some no was weird somebody said uh what have what have been the other topics serving there was one on serving okay one on giving okay anything else taking action okay cool well tonight we're talking about persevering i hope you'll have more to share after this one than you have the other no i'm sure you have any notes um you know when you think about persevering i don't know about you but uh, persevering isn't necessarily one of those, like if at the singles conference, if we had a class, the call to persevere, it's one of those that not that many people would go to. Because it's kind of like, oh, that's hard. I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? Like, if it, it just, it's like, it's a, a negative connotation, doesn't it? Or is this just me? Like, nobody's like, ooh, wow, I want to learn how to persevere, right? Because it just sounds tough. It sounds hard. We don't like to suffer. I, I'm just being honest. And, um, but, you know, when you think about what are some images of perseverance from the world? What comes to mind if you think of a marathon runner? Okay. What else? What? Okay, football game, soccer game, the players graduating college, hiking. Okay, good. Yeah, right, mountain climber, somebody that climbs Mount Everest. That's major perseverance. Waiting in line in and out. Okay. That's the California suffering. That's the first world problem right there. Yeah. Okay, yes, people have chronic illness for sure. Uh, You know, I thought of those things. I thought of, uh, you know, those stories of like Abe Lincoln or these different famous men who, you know, Abe Lincoln lost and lost and lost and lost and lost and then finally he won and then, you know, God, God used him really in a great way. Uh, I think about, you know, different men like that of history who really had to persevere through a lot. Or uh, think about, you know, new doctors and residents, you know, when they're there and they're just no sleep and they're just, they have to persevere through uh, that time. And obviously several mentioned athletes, marathon runners, uh, mountain climbers. What all these have in common is they all involve a certain amount of suffering, don't they? Uh, And yet... All these also have in common a final objective, a goal. They're, they're after something. They're after a prize. They're after uh, winning. They're after victory. They're after summiting Mount Everest. They have a goal in mind. They're not just suffering for suffering's sake. They're not just persevering for persevering's sake. So persevering is really all about 
what you're focused on and what you're looking toward. And that's very true spiritually, of course. It's all about your focus. It's all about what you're looking forward to. And persevering is a big topic. It's throughout the Bible. We're going to look at a lot of verses tonight, but uh, I'm going to throw a lot of them on the screen. Most of them, I'm just going to have you be in two places, in Hebrews and 2 Corinthians, so you just can stay in two places in your Bible. Uh, but, you know, there's a, it's a big topic. And so I want to pray, and then we're going to dig into some, some verses about that. So let's, let's pray real quick about this topic. God, please help us to hear from you, from your Holy Spirit, when it comes to this topic of perseverance. It could be arguably the most important topic for our group here tonight, as it is key to us making it to heaven. And, and uh, Father, I know there are those in this room right now who are feeling like giving up. Uh, there are those in this room right now who are discouraged because of someone else who has given up. Uh, Father, there are those here right now that, that just need your spirit to speak to them. And I pray that he would speak through me and through the, the, the scriptures right now. I pray that uh, all of us can really gain something from our time in the word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we are called to persevere. Perseverance really could be called part of the plan of salvation. You know, we, we talk about the five-fingered plan of salvation. There was a guy... Uh, 150 years ago or whatever that came up with the, uh, the, the this easy way to remember how to become a Christian hear believe repent confess and you're baptized it's five fingers that's what you got to do and that, that that that's oversimplified but that's really how you become a Christian you hear the word you believe you repent of your sins you confess Jesus as Lord and you're baptized in his name but that's not it right we've all seen people who've done that and yet they're still not they're not around anymore because the the sixth plan the sixth finger is you got to persevere you got it's a long distance race you got to make it all the way and satan knows that it's really all about perseverance and so what he tries to do is try to get us with two there's two pitfalls that try to keep you from persevering so we're going to talk about two pitfalls we're going to talk about two things to focus on the two things satan really tries to do is get you to drift and get you to get discouraged Drift and discouragement. That is always what Satan's going to try to do to Christians. Always, always. And so there's a lot in the Bible about warnings about those two things, about not drifting, about not getting discouraged. And uh, we're going to look in Hebrews. So turn over to Hebrews 2. And I'm going to throw a bunch of scriptures on the screen here and and, uh, have different people read. So who could read Hebrews 2, 1 for us? Stand up and read it. Go ahead. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Great job. So Hebrews has got this theme throughout Hebrews of not drifting. And it says we, gotta, we have to be intentional. We have to pay careful attention to the word of God so that we don't drift away. It takes focus. And every one of us, we need time every single day. So that we don't drift. Because that's just the tendency of man is going to be to drift away from God. And the thing about drifting is you don't know it's happening, right? We went to the beach yesterday with my kids to try to beat the, the temperature a little bit. It's been hot. And we don't have AC. We have one little AC, portable AC unit in my house that's got the little hose out the window. And it, it doesn't work that well. You know? So we've all been sleeping in one room you know, near the AC. And we went to the beach yesterday. The kids were off school. And the kids are out there playing in the water, and pretty soon they're like way down there. Has that ever happened to you? You know, you're out in the water, and then you look back at the beach, and you're like, wow, I drifted a long way, and you didn't even know it was happening. So that's the scary thing about drift is it can happen to you without you really being aware. And so we've got to continue to be focused. 
Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. Who can read that one? This is a, a, how we prevent drift. All right, back there, Gary. So, again, this is a familiar passage. A lot of these passages we're going to look at, these are familiar passages. And if you say, well, Brian, couldn't you come up with something new? Why? These are so good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, so just because you know the verses, don't just check out, oh, yeah, I know that one. Like, go, okay, I'm going to memorize that one because that's good. That's gonna, I'm going to keep that one with me all the time because these are so good. These verses are so good. And it, it says that our tendency is going to be to have a sinful, unbelieving heart. It's just natural. So, so, you know, whoever's in your small group, whoever your friends are in the singles ministry, it's going to be natural that at, from time to time we drift. Our heart gets sinful. Our heart gets unbelieving. Our heart get, gets hardened by sin's deceitfulness. It says here that that's what causes us to get off track, right, is sin. And sin is deceitful. How is sin deceitful? Real quick. Give me an example. Somebody raise your hand. How is sin deceitful? What does it do? Okay, maybe you think you're doing the right thing. How else? How is sin deceitful? Yeah, uh, uh, Maureen? Seems better than it really is. Right? You think, this is what I need. This is going to satisfy me. This is going to make me happy. This is going to work. My way is better than God's way. And it never works, right? It deceives you. And, and usually it's a twisting of the truth. Satan, we talked about this at our, our service last week, or two weeks ago in South Bay, that Satan usually uses truth. But then he twists it. You know, did God really say you must not eat from any tree of the garden? You know, he twisted it. God said you must not eat this one tree. And so then she's like, no, no, he said we could eat any tree. We just can't eat that one. Oh, well, he doesn't want you to be like him. He's trying to keep something from you. That's how Satan works. He's deceitful. And that when you give into it, over time you get hardened and you drift. And so what is the, what's the solution according to this verse? Encouragement. We need encouragement. You might think, oh, I don't really need encouragement. That just shows you how much you need it. And you say, well, nobody's encouraging me. Well, you know what? How are you doing with encouraging others? You know, like, if you just encourage others, you'll get encouraged. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. It just happens. If you feel like, I need somebody to encourage me, go encourage somebody else, and I promise you God's going to bring you encouragement. It will happen, I promise. If you want to, if you want to put, put me to the test on that one, go ahead and try it this week. You know, go, okay, instead of waiting around, I'm, nobody's called me, nobody's encouraging me, just go, okay, I'm going to encourage, I'm going to see if what he said was true. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to try to encourage people this week, and then just wait and see if you don't get encouraged. Uh, because we need each other. We need and to give and get daily encouragement from another. Encouragement is to give courage to someone else. To, to get, you know, you can do it. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, we need that. We all need that. Because uh, we, we, we affect each other. I, I remember I was on the swim team in high school, and uh, my freshman year, we were, you know, there's all these lanes of the pool. And I'm in the very first beginner, like, you're, you, you're slow lane. You know, you're a, you're a newbie. You stink. You know, so there's a few of us in that lane, like four or five of us in that, you know, we're all freshmen. We're, we're beginners. And so we're trying to keep up. You know, you, you swim a lot when you're on the swim. Anybody here been on the swim team before? Okay, a few of you, suffering people. It, it's suffering. It's a lot of swimming. We had to be there every day at 5 in the morning. And anyway, so we're swimming and swimming. So then after about maybe two weeks or so, a new person gets added to the swim team. And actually, he wasn't new. He'd been on the swim team before. And he was a sophomore, 
but he was also not that good, so he ended up in our lane. So it's like four or five freshmen and this sophomore. And so we're swimming, and, and when you're swimming, you, you go down like this, and then you do a flip turn, and you come back, and you're, you know, you're passing each other. And uh, we realized that this guy, you know, I'm behind him, and I realized that he would get about three-quarters away, and instead of going all the way, he would just turn around and start coming back the other way. <laughs> you know, so it was like, okay, he's doing that. And then pretty much I noticed we, we all start doing it. So pretty soon the whole group is that we're all shortcutting. You're all, you know, only going three-quarters of the lane. And you know what that was doing to us? It was not making us any faster. It was not making us any better, and it made us feel kind of lame about ourselves. And uh, we, the fact is that we affect each other. And you can allow your faith to be hurt by someone else that's taking shortcuts. Or you could be going, well, I don't want to persevere. I just want a shortcut. I want, I want to just... I don't want to have to go all the way to the end and do a flip turn. I want to just turn around right here. But those shortcuts never work, and so we've got to persevere. Hebrews 10. Okay, this is a longer one. Who can read Hebrews 10, 23 through 25? All right, go ahead and stand up. Whoever said got it, I heard it. Okay. All right, awesome. Again, don't swerve. Don't drift. Hold unswervingly. Just keep on track. Don't drift. But let's keep each other. You know, it requires continually focus, and it requires the community that we encourage each other. We spur one another on, it even says. Now, spur, what's a spur? So it's a thing you kick the horse with, right? So a modern translation would be a kick in the butt. Let us consider how we may kick each other in the butt. Right? But it's not just a kick in the butt. It's towards something. What's it toward? What's it toward in that verse? Toward love and good deeds. So, you know, we need to spur each other on, but I think sometimes, you know, in the church, sometimes we just sort of spur each other. I'm going to give this guy a spur. How come you weren't there? What's wrong with you? Are you struggling? You know, (laughs) that's not toward something. Toward love, you know, bro, you know, don't you know how much God loves you? You People love you. We miss you, you know, trying to get them to Jesus' love, trying to get them to God's love. Toward love, toward good deeds. Bro, God has great plans for you. God wants you to do this deed, that deed, you know, toward something, right? That's how we get each other back on track from from drifting and discouragement. You know, you, you probably know someone in your group here. I don't know everybody here, but I know there's somebody in your group who's drifting. There's somebody you know who's drifting or who's discouraged right now. And what is God calling you to do about it? God is calling you not to just sit back. He says, we've got to take action. And that action is spurring toward love and good deeds. You can do it. I'm with you. How can I help you? We've got to be that kind of fellowship. Uh, you know, your view of fellowship is, this, this should affect your view of fellowship and whether you should be at what event and how you should set up your schedule. This should affect your view of dating. You know, what sister needs to be encouraged? What brother needs to be encouraged? You know, getting out of your comfort zone and, and, and encouraging dating, encur- uh, coming to midweeks to give. Uh, who can I encourage instead of, oh, I wonder how it's going to be. I wonder who's going to be speaking. I wonder if it's going to be any good. You know, am I going to get anything out of this? You know what I mean? We can get into this kind of consumer mentality. Rather than a giver mentality, okay, who can I encourage? Who can I get with? How can I, how can I be used by God? That's really going to fulfill you. If you have kind of the laid-back 
sort of consumer mentality, you just won't be happy as a Christian, and you'll drift yourself. And so God wants us to get, you know, this heart. And, uh, and, and so he says in verse 36, Hebrews 10, 36, somebody read that for us just a little bit farther down in the same passage. Okay, yeah, go for it. All right, you need to persevere. Why? Why do we need to persevere according to that verse? What has he promised? Eternal life. Okay, good. Any, any other, any more? Anybody want to put more flesh on those bones? What? Eternal life, heaven, a resurrected body that you will, that if you keep going, he will be with you. I will be with you always the very end of the age. The Holy Spirit will guide you. There's a lot of great promises of God, but they're hingent upon us persevering. You need to persevere so that you will receive what he has promised. Actually, I found out the word hingent is not a word today. I found that out. But I like it. It should be a word. It's hingent upon that. You have to persevere. Yeah, you can Google it. It's not a word. I was bummed. I typed it in. I'm like, it's... It, Spell check's not working. How do you spell hinchant? I found out it's not a word. Why do so, peop- so many people give up? Because it's hard. It's hard to think long term, isn't it? Especially in America. Now, I mean, this is, every culture has their own sins. Remember in, in the book of Revelation, he, he talks to different people about their sins and their issues. And I, American Christians, this is an issue for us. We are short-term thinkers. That's our whole culture is based on it. You know, we, we, we don't, there is nothing, I mean, there is absolutely a, probably no meal that you've ever had in your life that you really made from scratch. I mean, where you like grew the food, you plucked the chicken, you wrung its neck, you know what I mean? Like, we don't, I mean, maybe, you know, we, we if somebody did that, amen, I, I give you props. If you raise a chicken in your backyard, <laughs> raise a turkey in your backyard all year, and then had it for Thanksgiving, amen. It was a lot of work, though, I bet. And so, so we're just so used to microwave. We're so used to instant. We're so used to, you know, like, like, like you said, man, this line in and out is so long for this burger someone else is making for me and then handing me in my window. That's just us as America. It's so hard to wait. And yet, really, heaven is about waiting. Seeing change in our lives is about waiting. The, 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 the passages that, that refer to our growth as Christians usually use metaphors of uh, botany, and botany is slow. We've been growing uh, tomatoes at my house, and those tomatoes grow very slow. You don't see a difference day to day. Over time, you, you see a difference, but it looks just the same as it did yesterday. But you know it's getting bigger. It's just slow, and Christian growth is slow, and, and, and Jesus seems to be slow in coming in one sense. And so it's hard to wait. I want to show you this video, so if you guys could turn up the audio over there. Uh, this is a uh, Walter Mitchell's marshmallow experiment. This was done in Stanford in 1972. You guys know about this? It was a study on delayed gratification. And so the study was, okay, kid, here's a marshmallow here. And if you eat, you can either eat that one now, or if you wait a little while, I'll be back and I'll give you two. So you, either you eat one now or you get two if you wait for me to come back. And uh, so I want to show you, uh, this is a, a re, 
uh, redo of that study here. I just want to show you a quick video. Uh, Mitchell observed that some would cover their eyes with their hands or turn around so they couldn't see the tray. Others were kicking the desk, tugging on their pigtails, stroking the marshmallow as if it were a tiny stuffed animal, while others would simply eat the marshmallow as soon as the researchers left. So there were 600 kids that took place in the study. A minority ate it right away. They were just like, forget it. They just ate it right away. But in the end, only a third were able to wait. Only a third of the kids were able to wait and get two marshmallows. And it just shows you it's in all of us. We don't want to wait. We just want it now. And so it's really hard to be a Christian sometimes because persevering is about long-term thinking. And it's about waiting. And, and so it's especially hard if you're not focused on what you're supposed to be focused on. And so the two things I want to talk about, so instead of drifting and discouragement, what I want to talk about is a harvest here and a heavenly home to come. Harvest here and heavenly home, those two things that we need to look forward to. Hebrews 12, you're all in Hebrews, so turn to Hebrews 12. Talking about a harvest here, I'm going to read this one, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with what? Perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Uh, There are some here tonight who have grown weary. There are some here tonight who have lost heart or you feel like, oh, I just don't have the heart I, I used to have, or I feel like I'm getting weary as a Christian. Right here it's saying what to do. You've got to look at Jesus and focus on him and what he did and the sinful opposition that he opposed him, he was able to endure because he, he focused long-term, didn't he? It says, for the joy set before him, he was able to do what he needed to do. So he was focused on the future. That's how he was able to do it. Look at Jesus. He was focused on the victory. He was focused on the goal. He was focused on the gold medal, like those uh, athletes we talked about. And so, so we, we are in a race. And in, in a race, you know, Paul, there's a lot of analogies in the Bible to this race kind of analogy, this, this race metaphor. And, and it is suffering. You know, when you're in a race, you are suffering. Uh, it, this life has got suffering. This life has got trouble. It's got hardship. It's got difficulties, right? There is nobody that goes... You get baptized and it's like, all right, trouble-free life, right? You're going to have issues. Jesus said, you will have trouble in this life, John 12. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Um, so so we, we do have trouble. We do have hardship. And yet the, the amazing thing is what that hardship can do in our lives. And so that's what we're going to talk about here a little bit. It says a little bit farther in verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. So when we go through hard times, we've got to go, okay, what can I learn from this hardship? How can this hardship make me better? Verse 11, it says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Raise your hand if you could use more righteousness in your life. Amen. How about if, who could use more peace? Anybody not need more peace? Amen. We all want more righteousness. We all want more peace. This verse is saying the way to it is through hardship. Right? Through discipline, through tough times, those produce a harvest of righteousness and peace. 
How does that happen? How does that train us? Okay, I want to throw a bunch of verses on the scripture here real quick, uh, on, the, on the slide of me. Uh, James, 1, uh, James 1, 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So there's a harvest here to come, a harvest of righteousness and peace, but it's at the end of a chain. You know, he says you go through testing, and that testing develops perseverance. That perseverance leads to maturity, and you get that harvest of righteousness and peace. You, you are changed through it all, but we've got to kind of suffer through that process there. Let perseverance finish its work, James says, and consider it joy. Now, that's a, this is an upward call. I don't know anybody that has this down. You know, that's going through something difficult. And, oh, boy, I love this. I mean, the closest person I know is Kevin Maines, you know. Oh, boy, I love it. I love it. I love a fight. You know, I love, love suffering. Ah, oh, you know, I mean, eat it up. That's Kevin. Uh, but most people, it's like you're suffering. I don't want it. I don't like suffering. I want the easy way. And yet this is what we signed up for. This is, this is the Christian walk. And, and we're on our way somewhere. And we get two marshmallows at the end. You know, uh, a similar passage, Romans 5, verse 3, it says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Again, there's this chain. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. We all want to go straight to hope. I just want hope. I just want character now. Just God, just make me instantly awesome character. Make me instantly patient and kind and loving and gentle and everything Jesus was just like, boom, just make me that. You know, if you're God, let's say I have an issue with pride, right? And I do. I have an issue with pride. So if you're God and you go, I need Brian to help, Brian's help with his pride, what would you do? Probably put me in situations that would make me prideful so I can practice, right? Uh, I remember, you know, I, I have a problem with uh, inanimate objects that don't work. Uh, you know, it just makes me furious. Like, and, uh, I mean, early in my marriage, uh, it was a hot day like we've had lately, and my wife came home, and the, the fan, this little fan we had was held together by rubber bands. And she's like, what happened to the fan? I was like, what can I say? I'm like, I'm sorry, I got mad and I threw it across the room because it wasn't doing its job, you know. And, uh, you know, through the days of frustrating PC computers, you know, uh, just so many frustrations with computers and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I, I just, but I remember, I remember going, okay, until I get this down, God is going to keep sending me annoying situation after annoying situation for me to practice. So, you know, you even now, I feel like I've grown in this area. I've changed a lot. But even now, when I notice, like, it's almost like a conspiracy of things happening. Going, okay, God, I see what you're doing. You're trying to work on my anger. You're trying to work on my pride. You're trying to work on my selfishness. Because I'm being tested. And so, instead of wishing those things away, the Bible is saying, understand what is God doing? God is treating you as sons, it says. Endure his discipline. God, God wants to make you better. Uh, my son, Jameson's trying to, to get algebra down. The only way he can get algebra down is by doing a lot of 
problems. A lot of homework. He's got to practice it. He's got to do it a lot. That's the way that we grow. Nobody goes, okay, I really want to get big biceps, so I'm just going to not use them. (laughs) I'm going to try to not use my arms much at all. You know, that won't work. The only way to get big biceps is you have to just kill your biceps, right? You have to make your biceps suffer, and then your biceps grow. And so that's the way we grow as a Christian. Uh, you say, well, I thought, you know, not everything is, you know, you're saying that, that everything that happens is God's will or that, that God, God uh, and that, that is not what I'm saying. Like, like, there can be bad things that happen to you that were your own darn fault, <laughs> you know, your own sin. There can be things that happen to you that are just, it's just the way life is. You know, there's tornadoes and there's sickness and there's, there, this is a fallen world and there are bad things that happen. Uh, not everything is God's will. And, and there's a misunderstanding of, of Romans 8:28. We all know this passage. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him or are called according to his purpose. This is a great one to memorize if you don't have it memorized. But what it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean all things are good, right? And it doesn't, it doesn't mean that bad things don't happen. Bad things happen to good people. But the amazing promise is that even in the bad things, even in the hard things, God is able to help you grow. So even though you have free will, God gives you free will, so that free will you can use to sin against me. If I respond and love towards God, God can use that sin that you committed against me to make me better. God can help me to grow through it if I respond correctly to it. Now, you know... There's horrible things that happen to different people, and there's horrible hardships that people go through, and I don't mean to make light of any of those things. Uh, I mean, we, we had a, a horrible thing happen in our ministry just this last month that, uh, you know, Scott Hachia passed away. He's my age. He's got two little girls. He's got a wife, died of cancer. That's a bad thing. That's not a good thing. And yet, you know, let, let me read you this email from Pat, Pat about it. She says, uh, about his funeral, Dad and I were just talking this afternoon about the number of non-Christians that the memorial had an impact on yesterday. Scott and I and my co-workers, several families from Lauren and Megan's school, two families who live in our apartment complex, a number of friends who've left the church over the years, and our physical family, many of whom would never have attended church service. Uh, thank you for loving God and loving us in this way. Please pray for the potential spiritual harvest that can happen through Scott's transition. I know he's doing his part advocating for his friends and family who do not have a good relationship with God. I pray we can all do ours as well. I mean, what an awesome perspective Pat has, you know. I'm sure she goes up and down. I'm sure she has good days and bad days. But, man, you know, just what can God do through this bad situation? That's what we've got to look for. Because uh, the context of Romans 8, if you read it, it really is all about suffering. And the point is that even in all the suffering, nothing can separate you from the love of God. He says even what shall trouble or hardship or persecution or danger or nakedness or sword. I mean, those are hard things. I've never gone through... Much, I've gone through some trouble, some hardship, a little persecution, not much danger really in America. I've certainly never gone through being threatened by the sword. Nakedness I've never gone through, you know, in a suffering way. Uh, so, you know, I have one story of where I did go through some nakedness that I'll tell you another time. I was stuck, stuck in my garage in my underwear. But besides that, I haven't had to suffer but, but, but Paul's point in Romans 8 is through all these things, God is still there and he's with you and nothing can separate you from his love. He's trying to make you better through it all. 
Jesus Christ did not suffer so that you would not suffer, but so when you suffer, you would be more like him. That's a quote from Timothy Keller. I really love that. Jesus Christ did not suffer so that you would not suffer, but so when you suffer, you would be more like him. So, so the context is talking about hardship. Galatians 6. And uh, you can go and be turned over to 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at that in a second. But it says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. When do we reap a harvest? At the proper time. Who knows when that is? We don't. That's all I know. God does. We don't know. But, we, but what do we have to do? We have to not give up. That kid doesn't know when the person's coming back into the room. They just know, i got to not give up. And so, you know, we're, we're tested in this life. We go through trials. We go through hardships. And we've got to persevere. We can't give up the fight. But we know that it's worth the investment. He says we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. It's a guaranteed investment. I mean, who here, if you could go back in time and tell your friends in 1984, buy Apple stock. You know, they might not believe you, but you'd be like, I promise you. There's going to be dark times in the 90s, but you stick with Apple and, I, you know, you're going to make gazillions. Uh, it's a guarantee. That's what God is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. It's a guarantee. I'm going to give you eternal life. All you have to do is persevere. Don't give up. Don't sell out of, your, of the stock because it looks bleak. It's a promise. It's a guaranteed investment if we just persevere. Like in Jesus' story, Luke 8, 15. The seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. The crop only comes through persevering. There's nobody that's going to get to heaven like, wow, that was easy. I just kind of skated on through. You know what I mean? It's just, that's just the way it is. There's a broad road that leads to destruction and a narrow road that leads to life. And that Greek word for narrow is is not a positive word. It's like it's like it squishes you word, like like a bu- when you squ- squish a bug, it, it died from narrowness, right? It got too narrow. That's the path. It's it's a path of suffering. It's a way of hardship, but in the end, it leads to life. It's a harvest here, and it's a home in heaven. Okay, Second Corinthians three eighteen. Are you guys there? We're going to look at three passages in 2 Corinthians, and then we're going to be done. 2 Corinthians 3.18. So what is this, how does this harvest here work? It says, We with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. There's this process of transformation. And, and the Greek word that, that Paul uses here... Um, Zomenoi. It's hard to capture, uh, and they, they changed it. Uh, they changed it the way that this, like, if you might notice, it says contemplate the Lord's glory, and it used to be reflect the Lord's glory. You guys notice that in NIV? They changed it because it's kind of a hard Greek word to, 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 to translate. What it means is beholding as in a mirror. So what it is is you're, you're seeing the Lord's glory, but what you're seeing is your own reflection. So it's like you're looking in the mirror, and every time you look in the mirror, you're seeing more and more of God and less and less of you. 
So we're being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory. And you're beholding God, but you're beholding yourself in a reflection, and you're seeing more and more of God. That's the Christian walk. And you see that in the early Christians. You see the transformation of Peter, absolute transformation of Paul. You see the transformation of James. You see the transformation of John. I mean, John is known as what? The apostle of, apostle of love, right? Everything's love. Just love each other. Love, every, love is the answer. You read his, bo- his books, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. It's all love. And when he talks about himself in the Gospel of John, the, the, the apostle that Jesus loved. You know, what, what did he mean by that? I don't think he meant like, Jesus loved me more than the rest. I think he meant like, like I really felt Jesus' love. And, and I've learned to be all about love. And you know what he was before? He was the son of thunder. He was the dude who, who was like, hey, Jesus, is this a t- can we call down fire from heaven and destroy this city? He and his brother. That was his reputation before. He just wanted to blast everybody. We don't think of him that way. We think of him as the apostle of love. Why? Because he was transformed by the power of God. And that's, that's what God does. And, and all in, our, in this group, there's all kinds of examples of that. And if that starts, if, if it stops happening, it's because we've drifted. It's because we've gotten discouraged. And we've got to get back on track uh, with this, with seeing our own, our own progress in the faith. And, and again, this progress comes so often through suffering. There's, we're not going to look at it, but we all know the passage in, in 2 Corinthians 12 where Paul has a thorn in the flesh. And he pleads with the Lord to take it away. And the Lord says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in what? In weakness. So, so Paul, Paul had an issue in his life. We don't know what it was, but we know he didn't want it there. But Paul said, you know what? God's answer was, this is good for me. This is helping me to change. And, it, and the result is he said, that's why I'm going I'm to boast in my weakness. I'm going to rejoice in suffering because when I am weak, then I am strong. And if you look back at your Christian life, the times you grew the most won't, weren't those the times of the most suffering or hardship or difficulty or issues. And, uh, I mean, I, I've been going through something the last week or so that it's been difficult. It's been a relationship issue with, with somebody in the church. And, and it, it's, it's one of those things that's just, it's frustrating. And, uh, but I see that this is so good for my soul to go through it. And e- even in the process, I'm like, I'm writing my journal. I'm, God, help me to be humble. I'm going to be so, you know surrender to you anything you want to do in my life through anybody God. you know it's just so good for my soul to go through this stuff uh and uh, and so we got to ask ourselves do you prefer your own comfort or god's glory and do you are you pleading with god to take away things that are there to get you to heaven you know are you wishing away the very things in your life that god has allowed so that you can be protected so that you can make it God's power works best in weakness. You know, there's a, a story, uh, I'll just tell you real quick. I love science stuff, and I listen to a lot of science podcasts, and this one is called Radio Lab. And uh, they told this story that just blew my mind. It's about caterpillars and butterflies, and uh, science's understanding of caterpillars and butterflies. So for a long time, they didn't really understand what happens in the chrysalis. You know, the caterpillar is this lumpy big thing, goes into the chrysalis, and it comes out a butterfly. What happens in there? And so they've been able to, to determine what happens in there. And so, you know, I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but you think, okay, it goes into the chrysalis, and you think maybe it just kind of gradually changes or something. What actually happens is it goes into the chrysalis, and the whole thing just turns to goop. And so the whole chrysalis is just filled of goop. There's just a few little connections still there, but it's just all goop. And then it, it becomes the butterfly, uh, the goop kind of 
goes away and then it becomes a butterfly. And so they, they thought, well, maybe this is really two organisms. It's like it seems like a total death of the caterpillar. But they did some experiments uh, that have to do with, with aroma and sensing aroma and things. And they were able to determine that it's still the same being. Like the caterpillar has the same memory as a butterfly of when it was a caterpillar as far as recognizing an aroma and staying away from this aroma. And that. So, so it's, the, you know, it's the same, it's not really a brain because it's, it's more like a few circuits, but you know, it's the same caterpillar that makes it through. And, and, and then they discovered more that, so where does this, all the structure of the butterfly come from? They dis- found out that the butterfly structure is there in the caterpillar body already, but it's just hidden. And so when it goes in the chrysalis, that part of the caterpillar is like kind of pushed to the outside, becomes goop, and then the butterfly stuff kind of comes together from the outside. Isn't that cool? It blew my mind. I was like, wow, that's so cool. But, but it made me think about, you know, there are aspects of, of character that are in you that just we don't see right now. And, and in order for you, those to be brought out, God has to maybe turn parts of you to goop. Uh, God has to do stuff that might seem like kind of traumatic sometimes, but to bring forth what he's looking for. So, so we've got to keep our eyes on that harvest of righteousness and peace that is to come. What is God trying to do? What's the, you know, staying focused ahead, running with perseverance, looking ahead, not, not on all the problems and all the issues that, that we're going through. 2 Corinthians 4, it says uh, in verse 16, we're going to talk about our heavenly home. We talked about a harvest here. We're going to talk about our heavenly home. Two more passages. Uh, it says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is unseen, not on what is seen, rather, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There's so much in this passage, I, I you know, can't get too into it, but we don't lose heart. You know, that, I know, again, there's people here who have lost heart. And Paul is saying, don't lose heart. You've got to keep your focus where it needs to be on what is unseen and on what God is doing. And, and it's amazing. Paul says there's a, there's a scales, right? There's a weight he's going on. On this side is our troubles, and on this side is the glory to come. And he says, our light and momentary troubles, they're just, they're nothing compared to the, glory, the weight of glory. Like, it's like an elephant on this side and a little mouse on this side. Our light and momentary troubles are nothing. In Romans 8, he says that it's not even worth comparing to how glorious it's going to be. And think about the light and momentary troubles Paul went through. What were some of his light and momentary troubles? He was in prison. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. They threw rocks at him till they thought he was dead. He was flogged many, many times. Uh, he was he he was hungry. He, he you know uh, he says uh, sleepless nights, thirsty. Five times he got the 30, 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. I mean, he went through a lot of hardship, and and people didn't appreciate him. And he had to defend his ministry, and people didn't understand him, and. People wanted to get away from him. And, you know, he went through a lot, but he says, that's nothing. And this is a guy who he was able to v- glimpse heaven. And he says, oh, my gosh, all that's just light and momentary. It's not even worth it. And so the things that we can complain about, the things that we can focus on, the things that we can go, you know what, I don't think it's worth being a disciple. You know, what is it that Satan go- goes, okay, this is going to make 
you give up. You know, it's, it's, it's nothing really in terms of eternity, right? And I'm not saying it's easy. Again, we go through difficulties, we go through struggles. Next chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 1, it says, We know the earthly tent we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, verse 2 of 2 Corinthians 5, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly body. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Right? This tent is difficult. It's like the analogy again. It's, it's like camping versus staying at, you know, the, the Marriott. Yeah. You know, you're in the tent. It's, it's groaning. You're, it's not easy. It's like it takes you the whole time just to try to make your meals. And then just, just you know, you waste all the time just trying to eat meals and sleep and, you know, not get sleep. And, you know, it's fun, but it's, it's tough. Uh, and yet we're on our way somewhere. It's temporary, right? Uh, it says so that, uh, okay, because we do not wish to be clothed, but unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. So what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. So we don't have too much time to go into this, but Paul is saying that what is here now is the shadow. What is to come is the reality. So, so right now it's the tent. What's to come is the house. We face a physical future. Uh, we're going to have physical... Jesus was physically raised from the dead. He had a physical resurrection body. And the Bible says we will be like him. So, so there's this thing, kind of Christian thought around there, that like we're just going to be these sort of floating, disembodied souls. You know, It sounds really boring and not very fun. And that's not what awaits us. What awaits us is a new heaven, a new earth, a new body that doesn't have sickness and pain and hardship and difficulty. Mike Halo was telling me about all his physical, physical ailments. He's got a resurrection body to come. You know, we all do. And so it's, 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 it's going to be so worth it. Paul says anything we go through here is so worth what is to come. And, and so the things that are in this life that are wonderful and are awesome and are, are, are to be enjoyed like moments with friends a great sunset, a great camping trip, a great hiking trip. You know, those moments where kind of God peeks at you and goes, wow, heaven is going to be awesome. Those are just little little glimpses of what is to come. Uh, for, for me, uh, just recently, my son was baptized. And, uh, oh, wait, I'll show you this. That's not, that's not him. Uh, I'll show you that in a second. But my son was baptized, and um, this was a... a, 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 a just one of those moments where you're just like kind of feel like it's in a dream. You know, the sun was setting and, 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 you know, you're kind of flashing different things in my life. I'm thinking about my own baptism, remembering that when I was the same age as him, uh, you know, many, many years ago, back in 1988, I was remembering my own baptism, remembering uh, meeting my wife, remembering marrying my wife, remembering when Jameson was born. And just, you know, this is one of those kind of, kind of, uh, milestones or those 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 road marks you know those those road you know on on our road of life and and you just kind of go wow heaven is going to be so worth it uh this is just a little i know it's the beginning for him you know it's just the beginning but but it's just a glimpse of wow heaven is going to be so so worth it and and when you have those moments just celebrate those and go wow i i never want to ever 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 quit i gotta persevere heaven is going to be so worth it uh, t- to make it all the way there. I want to show you one more clip. Uh, this is after the kid got to, got to be rewarded with the marshmallow. 
And then uh, I want to close with a song. Uh, Ernie and I are going to play it together. Ernie's never played it with me before, but he heard the recording. Um, but uh, this is a song that Jesus, whatever we're going through, wherever hardships we're on, you know, remember that verse, it said, let us consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. So on our journey, we've got to focus on him, and that's what's going to get us through. So I'll play this little video, and then uh, I'll do the song, and then uh, you'll be dismissed to hang out and spend your night how you want to. You've just listened to the Elevate Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit elevatecoastal.com.